The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. Show giving you the truth about personal finance. This is Financial Coaching Radio, and I'm your host, Jason Qualls, certified financial planner, one of the only independent commission free financial advisors in all about me. Check out Jason Qualls, CFP.com. That's J A S O N Q U A L L S C F P.com. We'll jump in with questions, comments, click email the show, or any of the social media links at financialcoachingradio.com. That's also the place to listen to the show anytime, anywhere. Uh, Podcasts are all available there. And this is a show where we've covered many, many topics in the last, I guess it's going on 11 years. And some of those topics are basic. Some of them are more involved and more complex. But what we will never do is water down financial planning advice uh, to market it to the masses. There's too many other shows that do that. Uh, in the radio show business, there are basically self-help, um, you know, get-out-of-debt type shows. And then most of the other shows, uh, not all, but most, are geared towards selling you, ultimately, financial products like annuities. If you hear a fin- <laughs> this is not always the case because I started on the weekends, but typically, if you're hearing a financial advisor speak on the radio, they are not independent. They are not the only. And they are not certified financial planners, and the fee only being the most important part. Because if they are not, uh, they're probably going to try to get you in for a free investment review, a free social security analysis, a free dinner, or whatever, to get you to call in or call them or log on to their website, schedule a consultation so they can sell you on how big and bad the scary market is. Talk you out of simple, traditional financial planning investing techniques and get you in to a financial product that pays them a huge commission. And that would be like a fixed indexed annuity. They're still out there. And when the market goes kind of haywire, they certainly become a little bit more easy to sell. But that doesn't mean you have to fall for it because you're listening to Financial Coaching Radio. As mentioned before, I am one of the only independent commission-free or fee-only certified financial planners in the area. Appreciate you joining in today. Let's talk about some of the things that I've seen more recently in reviewing clients' financial plans, clients' investment accounts. The number one thing uh, that come has came up or has come this has been many years and probably will always be this way, is people you know, nearing retirement haven't got their estate plan in order. We'll be talking with John Baker, estate planning attorney, later in the show. But they don't have basic wills. They don't have powers of attorney. Haven't gotten around to it yet. And sometimes when you just have that conversation with a CFP, it kind of sparks you to take action. 
and that's really what it takes is getting it done it's not the funnest process in the world it's also not the most time involved or time intensive and it's not the most costly in the world it'll cost you far more uh, on the back end or cost your beneficiaries far more on the back end if you do not have the proper estate planning documents in place but aside from that let's talk about some of the other things that i have seen I've seen big mutual fund companies managing retirement plans. And they're doing that for an okay fee. Uh, but their advice has kind of been all over the place. And I looked at one, and I won't mention the fund company name. There's nothing wrong with the fund company. Uh, but as a side business, they manage uh, clients' investment accounts, IRAs, 401ks. And I was looking at two different retirement plans for two different uh, folks, but very close in age, very close in the same amount of income, very close in the amount of assets that they have, paying the same mutual fund company to manage. And this is all someone you know over, over the Internet, over the phone. It's nobody face-to-face -face you can go see. I guess you could travel to wherever their home office or wherever this person is sitting in their cubicle. But it's not a local advisor. There's just a big institution that as a side business, they say, hey, we'll manage your investments if you don't want to do it yourself and we'll charge you a fee. Again, the fee was fair. If anything, it was low. But it's not low because, one, they are not doing full financial planning. So I guess that should be the, the red flag that sticks out is that it's just purely investment advice on that one particular retirement account and it doesn't they don't care about your estate plan your tax plan your other retirement accounts they don't care about any of that it's just really blinder zone focused on that so you are getting shortchanged in that area because a true comprehensive planner is going to make sure you have all the bases covered everything's not going to be done perfectly it's hard to do all these pieces perfectly but if you haven't had a conversation about your retirement plan and how it affects your tax plan and your estate plan and your insurance plan and your risk management plan and how all that ties in together you know, you're not getting all the advice you need but aside from that as well the other issue same fund company similar people in similar situations in the same company giving their investment advice did two opposite things one was a pure index fund portfolio, and one was a maybe 30% index fund, 70% actively managed funds. I'm thinking, do they just give these guys free reign to do whatever they choose? And that shocked me. You'd think they'd have a standardized process and say, hey, if, if we get hired to manage someone's IRA or 401k, this is how we're going to do it. And these are the parameters. But it just seemed like you had it. This is one of the largest index fund companies in the world. Uh, peddling investment advice. And on one hand, they're doing a pretty good job. On the other hand, they're like, what in the heck is going on with this account? It would be like going to the same advisor and your wife getting one piece of advice for her. Let's say you have the same retirement goals piece of advice for her IRA, and then you go and going to see the same guy, and he giving you totally opposite advice. It was just weird. So what can you do if you find yourself in this situation? 
it's like anything we do not just picking on them but it's anything it's not personalized service so there's not everything you got to have personalized service on um, there are unique situations where this would be somewhat of a benefit but if you're in that stage where you're five to ten years away in from retirement or you're in retirement and you don't have personalized one-on-one comprehensive financial planning advice from someone who is fee only and a cfp you're getting piecemeal haphazard maybe not in your best interest advice i'm not even picking on the financial salespeople today we all know what they do they're certainly not serving your best interest but neither in one of these cases neither was the you know the online advisor so you can set you can hire your own personalized advisor that actually does care about everything in your financial life and can actually put together a plan where everything is working together uh, it would be very similar if you just went to a financial guy and all he did was focus on investments and investments that paid him he's not going to care about the other things because he's not getting paid for those things i don't think that's the route you need to be taken and the reason for that is it just puts holes in your financial plan and i don't want you to have holes in your financial plan as a listener of financial coaching radio so there's my two cents on that matter for the day we'll be talking with john baker estate planning attorney we'll talk about a marijuana trust that's something totally new to me and we'll learn about it together and other things in relation to wills powers of attorney and trust i'm jason qualls certified financial planner and this is financial coaching radio listeners if you don't understand exactly how your financial advisor is compensated you could be in big trouble my name is jason qualls a commission-free certified financial planner to learn more about why my process is so unique go to jasonquallscfp.com or call 878-2134 today Okay, folks, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. If you were my client or a loved one, I would never let you get your wills done online. This is truly a case of where you only get what you pay for, and those you leave behind will be the ones to pay the price. Go see estate planning attorney John Baker today by calling 896-5621 or go to bakercouncil.com. Again, that's 896-5621 or bakercouncil.com. Get the expert estate planning advice you need today. Did you know that the U.S. tax code has over 70,000 pages? This is precisely why you must have a tax expert on your team. The folks at THNW CPAs have been providing their expertise to individuals and businesses in Middle Tennessee for over 50 years. And now they have an office right here in Murfreesboro. Call Kevin Sizemore today with THNW CPAs at 848-1072. That's 848-1072 or online at THWCPA.com. I've wasted time, I've wasted breath. I think I've thought myself to death. Welcome back to the show. This is Financial Coaching Radio. Joining in now is John Baker, estate planning attorney, I think to talk about a topic I don't know if I've mentioned before on the show, and it's how Social Security death benefits are paid. Now, John, you deal with people who are facing loss of life of a loved one, and your 
normal day-to-day practice. Right. Uh, it is a common question to say that you have two retirees, they're both on Social Security, and the husband passes away. What happens to their benefits? What, uh, how is anything paid out as far as that death benefit goes? Yeah, so as far as the, uh, the surviving spouse, you know, generally they're going to get the, uh, the higher the benefit. So if they're deceased uh, So if the husband spouse, was making 1500 a month, wife was getting 1000 a month, and she was right. continuing to get the husband. That, that's how that would normally work. And uh, the, uh, of course, if there's minor children, you know, so if, you know, if a parent with minor children dies, there, there's you know, usually a benefit for the minor children. As well. In addition to that. Yeah, so. and I think the death benefits were like two hundred fifty bucks or something. Um, I, I think I'm not sure what the how the the amounts are calculated for the uh, the, the you know the surviving you know if there's minor children somebody dies of minor children, uh, uh, but it's going to be based off you know of that deceased parent's uh, you know social security amount. And that's a big blow to someone's really retirement plan is they were counting on both of those sure. incomes, and then yeah. you know let's say that they were just basically equal but husband had a few dollars more per month right. it's basically getting cut in half right their income right. yes so is know, that anything that can't that's discussed in the estate planning process or is it your focus is more on let's do asset protection let's make sure this the assets get to the right place and is this more like an afterthought oh somebody has passed right. away what am i going to get now right the uh yeah we you know we we do want we do look at the income just to see what it is and what it might be you know when one of them passes uh the uh uh so for example let's say let's say they have a you know a, or or would have a pension if they're not already at retirement age you know then what happens to that pension when the spouse dies so you know if you've if you have survivor benefits with the pension then we know that income will still be coming uh you know but if they don't you know they may lose the pension and lose you know one of the social securities and that's uh, not a decision to take lightly when it's time to so, sign up for your yeah. pension those survivorship benefits how would you say you know let's say you have someone that's the husband is five to ten years older than the wife does would that impact your your suggestion on what their survivor payout on a pension would be would you take maybe 50 percent to the survivor versus 100 percent because of the age difference or are you always leaning more towards the 100 percent payout to the survivor yeah well i think yeah i think each case would be case by case and i think that that would be a factor and to see what what their needs are and you know and what they want to do and what their other resources are you're going to kind of look at all of that be very kind of individualized decision but you know in general i would say i like to err on more survivor benefit than less certainly uh, but you know, occasionally, yet you, you know, you have a clients that you know they want that money now, and they're gonna, you know, take a little risk there. That you know, the one with the pension, if you know, if he dies earlier. So. Right. I've, my advice is usually, you know, you, there's really no wrong decision because we don't know how this is gonna play out. Right. But don't take less than a fifty percent payout sure. to survivor. Yeah. That is way too much risk. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's yeah. funny how people they really just want that full amount. Right. But the difference between the single life and a survivor benefit is usually not that drastic. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm. You know, I, that's. I mean, I. I, I want to. You know, me personally, I, I like to maximize that survivor benefit if I think the survivor might need it you know now if, if if the family has sufficient other income they don't really need this pension that's one thing but 
uh, but but where where there's a real possibility that uh, that survivor is really going to need that, I'm, I'm going to want to try to max that out if I can. And when someone has passed away, let's say it's a husband and wife situation, you know, when they're making the call to your office, you know, what's their biggest question they have for you? Like when one of the spouses dies, correct? And the survivor. And you, did, you did the document, you did the mm-hmm. planning. You know, what is if you had to say this is the question I get asked most often? Mm-hmm. Well. You know they do ask about the social security so that, that seems that, to be a big common. one for me too is like you know, I, I do they do ask that and, and i find that most of them generally you know they, they kind of know that, that that's what they they, they you know they, they generally have the right idea there but they're just wanting you know some confirmation and uh you know and then social security you know notifies them fairly quickly you know after after the spouse dies they're going to get all that sorted out in a fairly short amount of time and get the correct benefit, uh, you know, going to the survivor. But uh, so we do get those questions, and uh, a lot of times it's just they just want to know what to do next, you know, whatever it may be. It's an overwhelming process. Yeah, just, you know, what what do we need to do? That's usually the question, what do we need to do? And so we, you know, see what type of estate plan they had and see what type of assets they had and how they were titled and, you know, figure it out and explain it to them. If you're just joining in, we're with John Baker, estate planning attorney. BakerCouncil.com is his web address, BakerCouncil.com. Any updates in your industry with the, I guess, the overall health of the long-term care business? You know, it's, it's something that you used to see several you know, financial articles about per year, talking about the value of long-term care insurance, and then the industry and the companies inside of it have kind of changed you know, the availability of the product, and there really hasn't been a better mousetrap come along. I is there anything that you see updates on people advising a certain way on long-term care because the insurance cost has gotten so expensive? You know, I mean, not, not really right off. The You know, we've had these— It's kind of a dying industry you know, almost. Yeah, we, you know, we've had these, you know, hybrid policies for, for a long time now, and, and, and they've had some attractiveness to them, you know, for people that can afford them. Uh, but certainly with, you know, the traditional pure long-term care insurance, uh, you know, I just see probably less and less people uh, it's not even purchasing it. But, you know, if it's available, if they can get it, it's very expensive. So it's just, uh, you know, I don't know what the solution is. I almost think we need some sort of incentivized, uh, you know, system, you know, through I don't know taxes or or whatever to uh, you know to try to uh, encourage people to uh, uh, to to purchase insurance. I, I certainly I, I love the concept of insurance, but they just haven't been able, the companies haven't been able to be profitable because right. so many people have went on claim and used the product. I guess more so than yeah. they anticipated, yeah. and they've had to raise right. rates to keep up with this the inflation of health care costs and everything else and yeah so these you know a lot of times you know you would hear about you know earlier policies that had generous benefits and and not necessarily even a cap uh and and those policies proved to be unprofitable so they quit you know carrying those and uh and, and gotten more restrictive but you know the thing i like about the insurance though is that unlike the medicaid system and ten care and things like that, that that people may be looking to for long-term care, those benefits are, are primarily for skilled nursing care, the type of care you get in a nursing home. They don't pay for memory care or, or, or assisted living. Where, or where it's care a lesser in the home. level of care or care in the home. 
And that's where a lot of the expense may end up for a lot of people. And the insurance does normally cover that. So uh, that's what I like about the insurance. Have you had any in your, your client base doing estate planning and asset protection over the years that's just had a, you know, an outstanding long-term care cost situation, or has it all been kind of the industry standard or average where they're just in you know, skilled care for one or two years or less, and that's kind of it? You know, it's, it's yeah, I, I don't know what the average in, in my experience has been. Uh, you know, if I had to guess, you know, maybe a, a year or so, you know, some less, some more. Uh, you know, occasionally, you know, you get someone who's been in, you know, for several years you know i'll get cases in occasionally they were in there four or five years that that's probably on the longer certainly on the longer side of things when you start talking about four or five years um, and when someone is qualifies for medicaid and they get their skilled care taken care of is that something that has to be updated and renewed every year or or is it or is it pretty much when you get approved you're, you're done no they 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 can do periodic evaluations you know probably you know annually or, or some time period you know whatever they're they're doing at the moment with with in the medicaid office but uh now there, there's you are subject to periodic update and you are if there has been a change in your financial situation you're supposed to update them as well oh so if you got more assets later sure. on it kind of should kick you off the system yeah if you inherited something or something like that you know and it it would you know it would it would affect you know you would, you're supposed to disclose that and, and get that updated in the. I wonder system. how many people are not doing that part. Yeah. So yeah, I, I you know my my impression is that uh, you know as far as the renewal and the reviews, uh, and and it's, and a lot of that was slowed down during COVID as well. So uh, uh, you know so at any point in time. You know the state agency may or may not be you know caught up on their renewals john baker estate planning attorney john won't you tell the listeners a little bit about your practice what you specialize in and before we take a quick break oh yeah we, we you know we work in basically state planning uh, long-term care uh, you know skill care type planning medicaid you know of course administration of estates probate just all those areas that uh touch on those subjects John Baker, BakerCouncil.com. This is Financial Coaching Radio. Stick around. We'll be back. Do you have a financial plan? I'm not talking about a worthless binder full of pretty charts and graphs. Are you certain you're on track to reach all your financial goals? A comprehensive financial plan is about so much more than just your IRA and mutual funds. It involves risk management, tax planning, professional investment management, retirement, and estate planning. Make sure your entire financial life is in order by calling me, Jason Qualls, a commission-free certified financial planner at 878-2134 or go to my website, jasonquallscfp.com. Buying a house is stressful and so is shopping for a mortgage. Take my advice and get a second opinion on the mortgage for your new home or your refinance. Not all banks and mortgage companies are created equal. Trust me on this. Call my friend Marshall Sparkman with Franklin Synergy Bank at 615-439-0885. Great team, great process, and the best rates. Marshall Sparkman with Franklin Synergy Bank at 615-439-0885. Welcome back to Coaching Radio, the one place giving you the one true 
I always talk about financial planning. No books to sell. Certainly not peddling any financial products. I'll leave that to the other show. I'm Jason Qualls, certified financial planner. In the studio is John Baker, estate planning attorney. Let's switch and talk about trust for a moment. John, in setting up a trust, uh, you can, let's say you have three different children. Would you advise one trust to take over and kind of to oversee all three of those beneficiaries? Or would you set up three separate trusts? Or when is the situation to have one trust versus multiple trusts? Yeah, so that one trust, you know, sometimes called a children's trust or a pot trust or something like this, you know, it's one trust that's going to serve, you know, each of the children. Uh, Usually we do those when they're younger in age and we're still trying to get them grown or through, you know, high school or through college and getting them to a basic, you know, point in life. And then when the youngest one hits that point, we'll split it out equally at, at that point. And the reason you do the pot trust or the joint, you know, the, the one trust for the kids, is in those growing up years, they may have differing needs. You know, if we raise three children, we're not going to spend the exact same amount on each of them raising them. One is doing this, one's doing that, one may have certain needs, the other has other needs. So, so we're not going to have an equalization uh, per se with, uh, you know, when we're raising our kids. So the, this trust is designed to raise your kids. So we want to allow for that flexibility, at least until they get to a point. And when the youngest gets to that point, then we'll break it off and they can each have their own share and, and, you know, and manage it, you know, separately. Now, is that all part of the original document that says that? Or is it something that gets redone when the beneficiaries or the children are older? Uh, We can write that all in one document, basically. It says when the youngest gets 25, everybody gets their own individual trust. Yeah, something like that. When people are thinking about these guidelines for children, uh, is there anything that's that's typical that says, you know, you're providing for a child in a trust, or is it a more general type language? Um, Do you you say car and school, or how specific do you get? So the way I I typically draft it is, um, and I'm I'm mindful of what type of uh, uh, legal distribution standard we want, and... uh, uh, what are we preserving principle uh, for for other beneficiaries later, or are we primarily serving this beneficiary? I'll write those usually pretty, you know, kind of with legalized kind of language, most for the most part. Uh, and then if we want to get into specifics like certain goals or or uh, 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 you know education levels and you know certain milestones like that and and, and what about keeping the assets from a child to later in life you know in their 30s 40s 50s is that is that common so the uh, and i say keep it's not really but where they just they can't self-trustee and someone's in charge yes well probably for most of them at some point uh you know unless there's a known issue with the child at some point it probably does have a provision in there where the child can be their own trustee now occasionally you get one where you don't want that to ever happen and then you'll won't have that in there but usually we'll put something in there maybe it says when the and again maybe depend on the amount that's going to be funded into this trust but but it may say something like when the child is 30 he can be co-trustee and then 35 he could be sole trustee something like that uh, that that provides a time period where the child can learn how to be trustee uh, before he takes the whole thing over uh, so, and again, the idea of the child having a trust moving forward into those older years is back to that 
usually an asset protection. We want this uh, these funds or these assets to be there for that beneficiary, even if the beneficiary, you know, has problems in life or lawsuits or gets in a divorce or something like that. We want to make sure that trust is there for that child and protected. And then at the death of that child, you know, a lot of parents want to make sure it goes to the grandchildren at that point. So, uh, so that's kind of the reason. Some of the reasons we'll have these children's trusts that that will continue on, you know, even when they're adults. And the process for you know, what what came to mind when you had a single trust for multiple beneficiaries? If there's some type of legal issue with one of the beneficiaries, does it expose all of? I guess, or is it just all generally protected because it's a trust? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a you know one of those children's trusts. They're discretionary trusts. They have something called spendthrift language in them. Uh, you know, for those young beneficiaries, the children are not the trustee. So if, if a child gets in trouble, uh, you know, that those, those assets are, are, are going to be uh, protected within that trust. However, if, it, if the trust says when the child turns 25, it's theirs outright, you know, those protections will be gone, you know, when those assets are the child's outright outside of the trust. John Baker, estate planning attorney, BakerCouncil.com. That local phone number, I think, I believe is what, 896-5621. Yep, that's it. Office is right here in Murfreesboro. BakerCouncil.com. John, I appreciate your time. All right, thanks again, Jason. Great this is Financial you. Coaching Radio. Stick around. We'll be back right after this short break. How much are your investments costing you each year? Most people don't have a clue. Why is this extremely important? Because overpaying by just 1% a year in fees and expenses can reduce your account balance at retirement by 28%. You heard me right. 28% less at retirement. I'm commission-free, certified financial planner, Jason Qualls. I don't sell financial products. I don't accept commissions or kickbacks from investment companies. Give me a call today for a free unbiased investment review at 878-2134. Or visit my website, jasonqualscfp.com. A recent undercover study found that over 89% of paid tax preparers made mistakes. You heard me right, over 89%. Is your tax person making mistakes? Tax mistakes cost you money and may even lead to an IRS audit. I recommend you get a second opinion on your tax return today by calling Tothero Helen Welch CPAs at 848-1072. Tothero Helen Welch has been providing tax services to individuals and businesses for over 50 years. So call them today at 848-1072 or go to thwcpa.com. Radio is back and with you every Monday through Friday, 4 o'clock right here on WGNS online, anytime at financialcoachingradio.com. And thinking in terms of uh, financial planning, we talk about taxes and estate planning quite often on Financial Coaching Radio. And John has been on the show for several years. And, you know, attorneys have their perspective of estate planning and the process. And I think clients have their perspective and as a financial planner i have mine it's something that i believe in but i also see the client side and the client's reluctance on that type of planning it's just one of those things 
You don't really get excited about it. It's not sexy. It's not talking about investing. It's not making money or retirement and stuff. It's, it's more on the, uh, the more enjoyable topic. But it's something that if you have people who depend on you and you have assets and you care about those people, you need to make sure uh, someone can make financial decisions for you and your assets go to the right people at your passing. And the only way to do that is with the right planning documents. Uh, I'm Jason Qual, Certified Financial Planner. Learn all about what I do and how I do it and what I do. already said that. What I do, how I would do it, and why I do it differently, I should say. At JasonQualsCFP.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-Q-U-A-L-L-S-C-F-P.com. Appreciate you listening. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Same time, same channel. Keep it locked in right here on WGNS. More local talk.